Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the Rugby League podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again as usual this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as the regular listeners will know, is the Yorkshire Evening Post's chief rugby league writer and he also contributes reports and stories to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. Been an interesting week off the week, interesting week off the field this week, Peter, with Daryl Powell finally announcing his future. He's moving to Warrington. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge shock that was to um, <laughs> to absolutely nobody in the game. I think everybody from the moment he announced he was leaving Cass, everybody um, assumed that he'd be going to to Warrington. That seemed the obvious fit really with them having said that their coach Steve Price is leaving at the end of this season um, apparently it was a very rigorous process involved in him getting the job several interviews and some tough competition but he was confirmed this week I think it's a good move for um, for Daryl I think it's a good move for Warrington he will be under probably more pressure there than he is at Castleford I think the expectation there will be that, it, that he wins Trophies. I think at Castleford it's more of a more of a hope. Um, Castleford have been pushing above the weight throughout the time Darrell has been coach. He was appointed in um, 2013. He's led them to two major finals, a Challenge Cup in 2014, and of course the Grand Final in 2017. They were league leaders in 2017, and under Darrell they've played some outstanding rugby. He gets the best out of his players, which is sort of the, the core part of a, a coach's job and I think he'll do very well at Warrington. He'll have more resources uh, at his disposal and um, you can understand why why he's he's gone there. It's obviously going to be an interesting situation for the rest of this season. We spoke to Daryl today at um, a press conference to preview Friday's game against Hull KR. And of course, it was the first thing that was that was asked of him, and he basically said, "I'm not not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the whole KR game. I'm, that's all I'm concentrating on." I think it it will be interesting to see how this works out. I mean, at some stage in the middle of a season, coaches tend to start thinking about the next year, and and obviously, Daryl's next year is going to be at a different club, and. I don't know if it'll affect him. I suspect not. He's a he's a very focused individual. He's desperate to to leave Castleford with some silverware, which and my tip for what it's worth, I, I fancy Castleford to win the Challenge Cup this year. Obviously, it depends on the draw, but I think they'll go well in that competition. Um, I think Carol um, Daryl is perfectly capable of of maintaining his focus on Castleford, even though he's got another job lined up. But it'll be interesting to see how it um, how it all pans out. Um, interesting times at Castleford as well. With just as we're recording this, we've heard the confirmation that John Wells, the director of rugby, is leaving the club at the end of next month. Um, there've been quite a number of backroom departures over the last year or so. Danny Hall, Daryl's assistant coach, moved on at the end of last season. Um, so it's in, certainly interesting times for Castleford. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, to echo what you've said about Daryl, he's, he's done a superb job at Castleford. There's no doubt about that. He's uh, brought them up from the wrong end of Super League to the right one. 
given the fans some days to remember. And a man, as you've pointed out, clearly uh, improves players. You know, we talked the other week, didn't we, about Nile Levels and how he was a Daryl project, that he, although a very good player already, you could see Daryl taking him to the next level. And I think players joining Castleford over the last few years, that's obviously been one of their hopes when they move there. Guys like Jacob Truman and others, um, you know that that Daryl will improve them, and I don't I don't think there's any doubt, you know, that he has done that with countless players, um, polished them up, and uh, made Castleford a better team in the process. He, he has an eye for a player, whether it's a young one or bringing one in. He doesn't seem to make that many mistakes, does he? he he's he's always uh, being good in the transfer market as well. Um, as you say, it does seem very strange though. Uh, I know we talk quite often about unique things happening in rugby league and the fact that Daryl already knows where he's going next season. Uh, it struck me this week, you couldn't imagine in another spot, say if football, if uh, Pep Guardiola was moving to Chelsea next season, Jurgen Klopp was moving to Manchester City. Uh, generally clubs like to get that kind of business done now, don't they? They don't like to you know, they like to plan ahead plenty in advance and uh, and maybe, I don't know, if one or both coaches have a bad run this season, the change may happen sooner than we think. But I would imagine Daryl, as you say, would like to go out on a high note at Castleford. Uh, probably a good chance as any in the Challenge Cup. And let's see, they've got Hull KR this week. Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously draw dependent, as we always say, they've surely got a good chance of going all the way and I'm sure the players will want to send Daryl off on a high to say thank you for all he's done for them and for the club. But in in the longer term, as we were discussing uh, just before we came on air, there has been a few changes at Castleford over the last 18 months or so and they've lost some very experienced uh, people on the rugby side, haven't they? And you, you would imagine maybe that uh, Ryan Sheridan will probably go with Daryl, just my own personal opinion. I don't know this, of course, uh, over to Warrington and maybe even Danny R might link up with them again. But, you know, all experienced play people uh, from that side of the game and with the news about John just breaking too, uh, you know, certainly going to be uh, some upheaval in the close season at Cass. It'd be interesting to see who gets the job there too, whether they uh, bring in an Australian or maybe give someone in England a, a chance uh, to step up to the next level. Uh, somebody like the chap at York, uh, James Ford, someone like that, maybe? Uh, well, it's... I mean, it's absolutely crucial they get they get the right man, isn't it? There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm sure the, the process of looking for a new coach will be underway. Um, they've got sort of a year, best part of, to get it... So, well, six months, isn't it, till, till yeah. the end of the season to get it sorted um john well uh sorry john ford james ford even let me get his name right he's um an ex castleford player he's from the area um he's doing an outstanding job at york and you'd think he has aspirations to coaching super league i think he'll probably want to want to do it with york um but he'd be somebody they'd be looking at, I should think. There's there's quite a number of candidates. Brian McDermott yes. obviously was in charge of Toronto. Yeah. We're not sure what his next move is going to be. Danny Ward down in London, ex-Castleford 
player, of course, um, Andrew Henderson over at Warrington, assistant coach there now. He's he's been, was captain of Castleford for, for quite a spell. Knows knows the club and is developing a good reputation as a coach. Um, there are Lee Radford would be another one. Been out of the game for a, a year or so since um, his departure from from Hull, but he won the Challenge Cup there a, a couple of times. There are there are certainly plenty of candidates, but you never know until the club come out and say what they're they're looking for. It's all speculation, isn't it? And yeah. I would hope that they give they give the job to um, an English based coach, give someone over here an opportunity. I'd, I'd include. Um, Hendo in that he's I think he was born in, in this country he's he obviously spent a lot of his life in, in Australia but he's been here a while um, and it would be good to see a, a young up and coming British coach given an opportunity but we'll, we'll just have to see I mean there's Danny Orr obviously he had a very brief spell as caretaker coach of Castleford before Darrell took over eight years ago and, and did okay and you know would he consider coming back? I don't know. We'll all we'll have to wait and see. But I'll say it is absolutely vital they get the right appointment. Um, they've got time to think about it. I, I hope that they um, they use the time wisely. Yeah, it's a bit of a almost a, could be a domino effect, couldn't they? Daryl leaving, and then you know, as you say, it could it could trigger off a chain of events with various coaches moving around the clubs. I think with the pandemic last year obviously and the the close down of the game and that I suppose a lot of clubs put their and and indeed coaches put their plans on hold for 12 months and sat tight where they were and as you say obviously Brian McDermott Leeds most successful coach ever is seemingly out of a job at the moment um or you know with the future of Toronto still up in the air and uh, some good names on that list Danny Ward another one that's uh, Done a great job down at London, obviously from this area, and you know probably next step for him maybe a club like Cass. It'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, just just while you're um while you're mentioning um London, a little bit of breaking news just um just developing now about um, about London Broncos who've not had the best of starts to this season. It has to be said, and they've um they've lost twenty four nil against Toulouse. That's the game scheduled for next week. Right. Um, the game has been awarded to Toulouse because the Broncos apparently have advised them this week that they're not prepared to travel to France for the fixture. Right. Um, the RFL are saying the Broncos will be referred to the RFL Compliance Department for off-field misconduct failure to fulfil a fixture. Um the RFL board ruled in March that the match would go ahead as scheduled despite the change in government quarantine restri- restrictions affecting France on the basis the Broncos are a full-time club. Yeah. Um, they're not expecting part-time clubs to um, to go there, but they were expecting London to. Um, obviously, last year, Salford didn't fulfil a fixture and were fined some points for it um you'd expect that london probably will be as well so um depending how how many um that could affect the the destination title race although of course it's 
it's decided on win percentage this year. Um, so I don't know how much that'll that'll affect things, but um, interesting times in the championship as well. Uh, it's very difficult, isn't it? You can't really blame London for being reluctant to travel to France at the moment, um, and and the the French clubs' participation in Super League and the Championships um, a bit of a difficult issue for the RFL at the moment. But obviously, the uh, governing body don't want clubs to be making unilateral decisions not to um, not to travel. Leeds obviously did that last year, and they were due to um, to go to Perpignan just as they, the pandemic was um, was starting to make its presence felt. They were um, they were warned over that so i'm sure the rfl will will take that into consideration when they when they decide punishment for um for london but um it's a difficult issue i'm not really sure what the what the answer to it is um toulouse having to travel over here obviously had a very good win against york the other week but you can understand the reluctance of, of teams to go over there yeah, yeah, it's a, another one of these COVID conundrums that we discussed several times last season uh, and I'm sure we will be doing again during this season. It, you know, obviously you want the competition to be as honest and as played out as much as possible, but not to the de- detriment of people's health. And if a majority of the squad or the team are unhappy about uh, travelling to France, then you can understand why Londoners say, well, you know, we don't want to... We don't want to play. We don't want to come back with anything, risk bringing things back to family and friends here in the UK. Uh, but from the rugby league's point of view, they probably uh, accept that on one level. But on another, as you say, you can't have anarchy where clubs are just saying, well, we'll play this game and that, but we're not going to play the other one. Um, because again, everybody could say, you know, well, we don't, we don't fancy this or we've eight injured this week, so we'll cry off uh, and you can have the two points or whatever. You know, it would seem likely that London will lose some points, and they're obviously, uh, uh, as you say, even though with the win percentage, they're aware of you know what damage that will do to their overall prospects. But you know, putting the sort of health and safety of the players first, and it wouldn't be surprised me again if if it's something that doesn't crop up again during the course of the season, um, unfortunately, and. You know, how how best to deal with it, as we often say on here. I'm glad it's not my problem to sort, really, um, because there's no best way in a situation like this of keeping everybody happy. Um, but London have obviously done what they think is right with their conscience and uh, are willing to take the punishment, which undoubtedly will be coming their way. And you just mentioned that a little earlier when we're talking about Castleford and the the Challenge Cup because it's Challenge Cup weekend this weekend, Peter and uh, Castle the the first of our teams um, to play on Friday against Hull KR. And you'd fancy them making progress there. Hull KR have had a difficult start to the season again. Castle won both their games, ironically against Warrington, and then that good win against Leeds last week and. Uh, You'd fancy them to make it three out of three. I, I can't imagine that Hull KR will be prioritising the cup, uh, really. They'll be wanting to uh, do the best in Super League, I think, this season. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I, I fancy um, fancy Castleford for the Challenge Cup 
this year. Um, obviously, it depends depends on the draw. If if they draw St Helens away in the next round, assuming St Helens get past Leeds, you'd, you'd think they'd find that tough. But um, they'd certainly fancy anybody on their own turf, and they will fancy the chances of beating Hull KR. I think it'll be an easy game. Hull KR have got a few players missing. The the loss of Minchella, Elliot Minchella, who did his ACL last week, is a big blow yeah. for them. And, and as you say, I think Hull KR's objective is going to be to finish not on the bottom of, um, of the table this year. But it's all an off game, anything could happen. But I like I like the way Castleford approaching this this season. Um, they've, I've seen both the games so far. They've looked they've looked very good. I think Nile Levels is an excellent signing yeah. for them. He's he's already developing an understanding with, um, with Jake Truman. Um, Jordan Turner's a good good acquisition. There's a lot of talent in that team. Um, they've got a very good spine. Teams are going to have to play well to beat them. Um, and with a favourable draw, I do think they're capable of, of going all the way. It'd be nice, wouldn't it, for Darren Powell to um, to bow out with a Challenge Cup win. Um, I certainly would expect them to be in in the hat for the um, for the next round draw. But as I say, I think it might it might be a tougher game than, than some people were anticipating. Hulkar are, are a difficult difficult team to. Um, to break down they, they, and to defend against because they're, they're very unpredictable. Um, they'll be throwing plenty at Castleford, but Castleford have got lots of strike and the defence against Leeds last week was was very good. So, um, so I'd expect them to win. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you, Peter. I think uh, we saw the Castleford-Leeds game last week and Cass played really well and uh, Evels, as, who we talked about in the last show, uh, superb signing for Cass and Probably a few eyebrows raised when he went there because he, he was kind of the main man at Salford, wasn't he? And you, you would have thought his next step may be Australia or one of the so-called big four in this country. Um, but he chose to go to Cass. And, and again, as we said earlier, perhaps indeed, you know, thinking that Daryl could make him even better and then make the next step. Um, but a great player, one I really enjoy watching at Nile Levels. And already you can see he's brought something extra to the Castleford team and hopefully he can stay fit and healthy this season and help Castleford to achieve their goals. Um, I think that, like you say, with a favourable draw, they can uh, have a have a good run in the cup this year and perhaps just if they can avoid Saints. I mean, there's an irony there, almost a cup final Saints v Leeds in this round, isn't it? You know, and it, it will get rid of one of the big guns and favourites already. Um, a game I'm looking forward to seeing, of course. Um, mm, I think Leeds are going to find it very difficult, I think, realistically, um, going over to St Helens at this stage of the season with their injury problems. Yeah. Uh, they've got they've got eight players on the casualty list that we know of and um, Kyle Eastmond still isn't being selected for his, um, for his debut so there's, it's a, it's a very sort of threadbare or at least inexperienced back division. Um, they're, they're strong in the forwards. Leeds have more or less got a full first choice pack available, but they're down to Jack Broadbent, who's twenty and have played. I think, is it? I think 
um, four or five first team games. He's a fourth choice fullback. He, he, I would imagine, will be at fullback again. They've um, both the first choice centres are out. Um, they're struggling in the halves, of, of course, with Rob Lewin, Callum McClelland both out. They've got um, the leading winger and last year's leading try scorer um, is out, Ash Hanley. Um, both first choice fullbacks out. Hanley would be the third choice. He's out. So, as I say, they've got the incumbent, um, Jack Broadbent, who's, who's clearly a star of the future. He's um, He's been forced into. Um, into playing their out position, he's he's a centre really. Um, done very well in his, his first two games this season, and, yes. and has got a big future in front of him. But the, these kids are very talented, but you don't want to be throwing too many of them in at once. Um, it's just looking at the squad. I think there's, I think there's three teenagers and, um, and two twenty-year-olds in the squad out of a, a twenty-man squad. And um, they've got a total of 16 first-team appearances between them. So wow. it's, a, it's a tall ask. But on the other hand, um, they've nothing to lose. It's going to be value, valuable experience for the kids. And it's a, it's a one-off game. So you know, anything could happen. But certainly, I think Saints have to be, um, have to be strong favourites for it. Um, very interesting name. On the um, on the Leeds squad list for this weekend is um, is Morgan Gannon, who's seventeen, um, a back rower who was um, just stepped up from the um, stepped up from the youth system. Has gone straight from that through to the um, through to the first team squad, and he's very highly thought of. Um, uh-huh. Whether they'll they'll Risk him on Saturday or not? I don't know, but that's a name. I think people um, people should watch out for Morgan Gallon. His father, Jim, you you covered Halifax Huddersfield, didn't oh, you? Yeah, he, yeah. Um, Jim, played yeah. Super League. Yeah, yeah. Played Super League um, in the early years of the competition, and and Morgan is reckoned um, reckoned by Leeds to be a very very bright prospect for the for the future obviously you have to be good you you don't go through from um, straight from scholarship to the first team squad without having um, massive potential and I'm looking forward to seeing him play at some point whether it'll be this weekend or not I'm not sure but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a game or two in the first team at some stage this year yeah that's interesting I remember big Jim Gannon I think he played for he certainly played for Halifax didn't he did he play for Huddersfield as well um can't remember now off the top of my head. It's quite... it's quite a few, quite a few years ago since I did uh, did Huddersfield and Halifax. But yeah, uh, Jim Gannon, obviously big, hardworking, forward and very popular at Halifax for sure. You know, he was always, uh, you know, one of these players who, an eight out of ten, as we say, always turned up every week and and gave his all, and he was always very popular down at the Shea. And uh, interesting that. His, his son sounds an even bigger prospect, and uh, I always like things like that. I always like to keep an eye out on them once I once I know the connection and, and see how they go themselves. Yeah, and, so, uh, there we go. He played um, 
played for Halifax from in Super League from 99 to 2002, Huddersfield from 2003 to 2006, and um, Hawke in in 2007. So right. um, steeped in the game, obviously. And I've I've spoken to to Morgan in in pre season and very impressed. He's a he's a, a clearly a, a smart kid. Um, he he knows the game. He knows what he wants to um, wants to achieve, and he was very grounded as well. And and I say I think I'm looking forward to seeing him play at, at some point. Um, and hopefully he's got a, a long, bright future at Leeds. But obviously, um, if his chance does come at the moment, it'll be because of um, of injuries to more senior players. But sometimes um, young kids come through in situations like this and grasp the opportunity and, and never look back. And, and he may well be be one who does that once once he gets his chance. Yes, that old adage, if you're old enough, you're good enough. <laughs> Uh, I think Sean Wayne was saying this week, wasn't he, that he, he wouldn't let age put him off picking anyone for England, whether they were 17 or 35. If they were good enough and they were in farm, then he'd pick them. And I think, you know, that's all you can do, isn't it? If if a, a lad's ready. I know sometimes teams like to bring them in to the environment, don't they, to get them used to what the first team do and give them that taste of being in and around the first team so that, you know, it makes them want it more. Um, I've seen that done in football quite a few times and rugby as well, of course. Well, yeah. Leeds actually did that with, with Morgan and another young kid, Levi Edwards. Um, they both come from the Siddle amateur club. But no, say, and Levi has also stepped straight up from scholarship to the first-team squad. He was actually named in the uh, 21 a couple of times last season. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was ever an intention to play him, but he was part of the squad, travelled to the game um, and warmed up with them. And they both warmed up. Um, I think he actually was at St Helens against St Helens last last season. And I think that's smart. Um, they know what it's all about. They know what the bus trip over is like, what it's like in the changing rooms, what it's like to go out and warm up. Um, and I, I think it's, it's smart doing that with with young players, it'll just take some of the uncertainty out of it for, for when they do it for real. Yeah. Um, we both got a taste in a pre-season game against Huddersfield. And um, as I say, it's good to see young kids like this coming through because they're, they're clearly the future future of the game. The more young English-based kids we can get playing the game, the better the sport's going to be in this country. Yes, I certainly echo that, Peter keep them in the code and as you say if they get a chance at Leeds you know they, they must be good anyway if, if they're you know in the squad at Leeds even in the scholarships or whatever so uh, it's always nice to every every club and every fan likes to see their homegrown players come through don't they and they identify with them a lot more and uh, you know as you say it's great for the game and for the club and uh, all valuable experience as well. You know, what might not work out today in a couple of years' time will certainly pay off. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, look at my team for two minutes, Wakefield, Peter. We haven't spoken since uh, the opening round, but the, a great performance against Leeds where really you feel the, the Blue are a good chance of winning that game. Um, it was disappointing afterwards. Uh, they couldn't put Leeds away. Uh, they 
especially being 16 far up really they, they wasted a few chances there Tom Johnston our man scored a couple more brilliant tries um, which unfortunately nobody in the ground to see but uh, took them well again and uh, obviously called into the England squad this week and then last week very disappointing against Wigan a, a good first half and then just completely fell away um, which you know you don't expect them really at this stage of the season to beat Wigan but uh, having got people's hopes up against Leeds I think there was a sense of deflation and now with Catalans in the cup as well uh, I know I say it every year that I really like Wakefield to get to Wembley and, and win the trophy it's realistically the only trophy they can win and the draw hasn't been kind to us this time I can't really see that Wakefield will beat Catalan unfortunately much as that pains me to say um, you know again I think no doubt Chris Chester and his guys after two defeats in the league their concentration will be on trying to stay in Super League that's their first job um, and it's you know I don't want to sound too negative but uh, you know you can't really see past Catalan in that tie well yeah that's um, Wakey don't have the best of records against them over the last couple of seasons, do they? Um, you, yeah, I think I think Wakey are capable of winning it, but the form Catalans are in at the moment is quite good, and and obviously they've got an outstanding player in in Sam Tompkins at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's at least at least. Castle um, Wakefield aren't expected to go over to France, which it no. was in a way, but it's being staged here as as part of a double header at Saints with the um, with the Leeds Saints game, and I think that'll that'll possibly give give Wakefield a little bit of a, a helping hand. You, you'd think on the way that the, the opening games have gone so far, it's probably going to be a, a Catalan's win, but I think Wakefield have got a good performance in them. I think they've got a strong first seventeen, certainly. Um, with the new halfback Morgan um, Mason Lyon now having had a couple of games to settle in, he he will presumably be getting up to speed now. The pack's a decent pack, but if you had to put money on it, you'd probably fancy um, fancy Catalans in that one. It's it's one of those that could go either way though. Um, it would be great, wouldn't it, for for um, Wakefield to have a, a cup run? But I agree with you. I think that the priority is staying in in Super League, um, and they'd certainly certainly give up um, a cup run for for a decent um, run of fixtures in the in the league. I think no doubt about that. Yeah, I, during the close season, I interviewed uh, Ian Brook, the old Wakefield centre, um, for the Yorkshire Post. Uh, it turns out uh, Ian's daughter's my next door neighbour. <laughs> and uh, she'd said to me a couple of times, if you ever want to speak to my dad, I'm sure he'll speak to you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a word with Ian anyway. And uh, we're just chatting about Wakefield, old and new. And he was saying how much he'd, he'd love them to get back to Wembley again and, and win a trophy. And, you know, try and encourage, as we've said before, a new generation of fans to come down to Bellevue, you know, something like a cup win or a decent run to the cup, even to get to the final, you know, something, as, as I said to you of last season, you know, when Wakefield got to Wembley in 79, that was my first trip to Wembley. That was 
how I became really aware of the club and, uh, you know, wanted them to do well. And although I can't get down to the games every week, you know, they're, they're my club and you like to follow them and you like to see them do well. And I'm, I'm sure it would attract a, a new generation. I know a lot of people got interested in the club when they had the famous million pound win over Cass that time. Um, yeah. Although it wasn't called that then, was it? It was, it was like, the, but it was a relegation decider all the same. And, you know, arguably, as we've often said, it would be probably difficult for Wakey to get back into Super League if they ever dropped out, but they managed to cling on again that season against all the odds. And, yeah. uh, you know, Ian was saying it would it would be a great lift for the city and the club and the fans if if they could get to Wembley again and uh, you know show the club in a good light. Uh, you never know; they might beat Catalan, and uh, the fact that they don't have to go to France is definitely a help. Um, but hopefully, you know, give a good account of themselves anyway and see where we go. And just one last game that caught my eye in the cup, but Featherstone at home to Hull. Uh, maybe a shock on the cards there. Featherstone fancy their chances of getting promoted this season, don't they? And Hull have made a good start under their new coach, Brett Hodgson, but uh, you might fancy Featherstone there in a one-off game. They've another club with a rich Challenge Cup pedigree down the years, and they've pulled off more than one shock at Wembley, haven't they? They, they, well, certainly, certainly, eighty-three was one of the biggest um, cup upsets of all time. The, yeah. the beat cats when Daryl Powell was Featherstone coach beat cats in the the cup down at um, at Post Office Road. It's one of those games. You just, it's just a shame that there isn't going to be a crowd. Yeah. For that, and I was at the the um, last time they played each other. I think it was twenty eighteen, and it was a very stormy game. There were there were a lot of red and yellow cards. Yeah. To remember, um, this is a better Featherstone team than than they had in those days. But I think it's a better Hull side as well. Though without the halfback who's injured, which is is not going to be great for um, for Hull. I think that'll have, have cheered Featherstone up a little bit. But the way Hull are going, you'd, you'd think that they'll be too strong. But Featherstone are on a long unbeaten run. I think the last defeat was the um, Championship Grand Final against Toronto in, in 2019. Obviously, they've not played that many games since then, but um, they're certainly in the winning habit. And it's a good tie for them, isn't it? Because their priority is getting promotion, but this is a chance to measure and see how far they are off a, a yeah. decent Super League club. And I would expect them to give to give Hull a, a good game. There's a lot of talent in that Featherston side. They're well coached by... James Webster and they've not they've nothing to lose really have they they're the underdogs um, I think they'll go out and, and give a good account of themselves you, I would expect that Hall as the, the full time team would pull away towards the end of the game but um, I'd certainly like to think Featherston can can be in touch with them for, for an hour or so and, and it'll certainly give them a lift if they are yeah, definitely. I, th I think, as you say, the the great pity there is a partisan home crowd. It could be just the being the difference for Featherstone there. You know, I fancy them to run Hull close, but they'll probably have too much experience overall. And without uh, the home fans behind them, uh, it'd be a tougher task for Featherstone, I'm sure. But it's one of those traditional cup ties, isn't it? You could imagine a packed post office road and... Uh, you know, Featherston got a couple of early tries and the crowd really got behind them. Anything could have happened, but uh, 
probably makes Hull's task a bit easier that they're stepping almost into neutral territory when when the fans aren't there. And, uh, yeah, it does. It definitely makes a difference. Um, but yeah, that that could be um, that could be an interesting interesting game. That and and good luck to to Featherstone. They're they're making good progress with the, the team there. They're very ambitious. Um, they want to be playing teams like Hull every week, and it's a good it is a good yardstick for them. Yeah, I think. Uh... Looking, I'm certainly looking forward to that. You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was a very tight result. Um, so good luck to all our teams anyway this weekend. Let's let's hope we can get some further down the road to Wembley, um, and maybe a couple of kind draws as well, and and get us a bit further too. And, and just finally this weekend, Peter, we were chatting before we came on air about yeah another brilliant piece of fundraising and care by the rugby league family. We often talk about the way in which Rugby League looks after its own and fans and players and clubs and officials came up trumps again last weekend, didn't they, for Moss Masso, Masoe, um raising over £100,000 for him. Um, as you recall, he was badly injured in a game against Wakefield back in January 2020. And uh, he's trying to teach himself to walk again, isn't he, now? And, and, and he's making some progress and I think the thing as well is he's such a happy guy, isn't he? He's very always very positive and smiling and, you know, doesn't seem to let the terrible situation he's found himself in bring him down. He's a, he's a really good example, I think. And it seems I've never met him, but he seems a really nice guy and, and I'm really pleased that people were able to help him out and uh, give him, his, him and his family some kind of financial comfort um, for what are undoubtedly difficult times ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know him either. I've never met him, but obviously um, saw him on, on Sky last week and have followed his his uh, story very closely. He was actually injured in a pre-season game at Wakefield in January last year, which was the same day as um, the Rob Burrow sort of benefit game at Headingley when, when Leeds played Bradford and, and there were 20,000 there to raise money for, for Rob Burrow and his fight against MND. Um, I think both of them have been an inspiration over the past year, and and like you say, it's just it's great to see the way rugby league has rallied around them, um, but not at all surprising. No, no, they always look after their own, and you know it was a, gr- a great effort again, and particularly at the moment as well. When I think it'd be fair to say a lot of rugby league fans have been finding it tough after the pandemic. Uh, financially and so on and job security and things like that but they always come up trumps um, and they always, I think that's one of the things I know it sounds like a bit of an old cliche but that makes the game so great is that people are willing to go that extra yard to help those less fortunate than themselves and it's always been a hallmark of the game and let's hope it always remains and on that note Peter I think uh, we'll call it a draw for this week um, again wish good luck to our teams in the challenge cup uh, thank you for your comments and just the weekly reminder that you can get the very latest sports news and the latest on the coronavirus from yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk or from peter's twitter feed at peter smith yep or my own at richard byron yep and uh, we'll hopefully get back together again next week and we'll have some cup wins to celebrate so until then say goodbye